0: This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless, available online at bravadowireless.com. I also want to remind you, we have a chance for you to go out to see Pumpkin Town Farms. You can do that very simply. Now, that costs money to get in out there, but we have a four-pack of tickets if you'll just go to theblitztulsa.com. That's theblitztulsa.com, and you can jump right on in there at 61st and Garnett and see the folks out at Pumpkin Town Farms. 712 here on the Blitz 1170. Well, yesterday, I swallowed hard when I saw the Tulsa drillers were being sold, and then I thought to myself, I need to read the next line. Are they staying in Tulsa? The guy to my right knows exclusively what's happening because he is Mike Malega, the general manager of the drillers. Mike and I have known each other a few decades. <laughs> and I got to tell you, I swallowed hard. I'm sure you did, too. This is obviously not news to you. It's been around for a while. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about this transition.
1: Sure. So, I mean, hey, listen, you know, buying and selling teams is nothing, uh, is nothing strange. I mean, the Drillers organization has had about five or six different ownership groups in less than 50 years. So, I mean, every 10 years or so, you're going to see a change. And, uh, and, uh, you know, and and this doesn't change really anything for the fans. I mean, honestly, once we get through this announcement and talk about it for a few weeks, I don't think anybody's going to realize any changes. And we're not going anywhere. Are you kidding me? You know, anybody that wants to come in and invest in the Tulsa Drillers is investing in the Tulsa community because Tulsa is such a a great city for minor league baseball and minor league sports in general, you know what I mean? We're one of the top five or ten markets in minor league sports, in my opinion, no question. We've been recognized as such. And it's the people. Uh, You know, it's our staff and what we do here that makes One oak Field a special place. So definitely never a question, uh, you know, about moving. So first, just want to dispel any of those notions that anybody might think, uh, you know, we're going to be here for the long haul. Professional baseball has been played in Tulsa since 1905, since before statehood. This is an unbelievable baseball market, and we will be here. Um, so, you know, to, to that extent, no worries whatsoever. As far as the transition goes, what's nice is that Dale and Jeff Hubbard and Arlo DeCry. Um, are maintaining a minority stake. They're still going to be around the ballpark. It'll be business as usual from our staff and our fans. Uh, Mm -hmm. We'll not see much of a difference on that front. But now we've got a parent organization that has a tremendous amount of resources. Um, They are making a major investment in minor league baseball because they're so bullish on it and the continuity of it now that we have Major League Baseball has a bigger involvement Mm -hmm. in our sport. And um, and then we're the 23rd team that they've purchased. So uh, our Oklahoma City down the street has been with them for two years. So now we join kind of forces under the same ownership group as Oklahoma City, which would be kind of nice.
0: I am sure that when you started hearing these this news, you were on the phone to folks, in Oklahoma City, and said, "How's this gone?"
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And and you know I know so many of these GMs, <clears throat> excuse me, um, so many of these GMs with clubs that Diamond Baseball Holdings has has invested in, and they're all like, "Hey man, they're they're great. It's business." As usual they've kept our leadership team and our staff intact they've added resources to us to help us do some of the things we haven't been able to do before that we've wanted to do but haven't been able to do so yeah I think uh, I think they're gonna be a great partner and we're really bullish on it and the positive reviews from all of my peers uh, has been uh, great to hear
0: that's the added resources thing is the thing because a lot of times when something bigger takes you over you start worried about cutting down resources, so that's mm-hmm. great to hear. Yeah. How how long has Diamond Baseball been in this? How long have they been doing it? How long have they been expanding? And is it is it based almost entirely on a minor league, um, if you will? Motion?
1: That's the portfolio. I mean, Diamond, Diamond Baseball Holdings is really about minor league baseball. They may have a couple of smaller things with them, but they're kind of a subsidiary of a larger group uh, called Silver Lake that has huge investments. I mean, investments like City Football Group, like – um, you know, like uh, Endeavor, like Learfield, who mm-hmm. helps sell, you yeah. know, a lot of college yeah. properties and so forth. Larger, larger group, but Diamond Baseball Holdings is one of those subsidiaries. And, um, and they basically formed in, in 2021, uh, you know, that was at the time when the Professional Baseball Agreement, which governed the major league and minor league um, relationship It ended and Major League Baseball kind of took over the oversight Mm -hmm. of Minor League Baseball. So that's kind of when this came in. Uh, What that did was it stabilized uh, coming out of the pandemic. It stabilized our industry. Um, You know, Major League Baseball doubled down on their commitment to Minor League Baseball and providing players and providing affiliations. Uh, and uh, that's when we kind of locked in with a 10-year agreement with the Los Angeles Dodgers. So longer-term relations, more continuity, and Diamond Baseball saw a great opportunity there. And they started investing in teams right out of the chute in 2021. Um, I think they announced eight or nine teams right off the chute, and, uh, and Oklahoma City was one of the first teams. And now they're up to 23, and I, and I think they're going to continue to keep growing. So uh, our family of sharing best practices just has gotten a little bit more intimate and a little bit larger at the same time. We'll be closer because we'll talk more. More, and we'll learn from each other more, which will be better for our fans and our staff and for the community in general. Well, they've grown fast, haven't they? 716
0: uh-huh. here on the Blitz 1170. Mike Malega, general manager of the Tulsa Drillers, a job he's keeping going forward. Right here with us in the studio, Scott File.
2: As you mentioned, day-to-day operations, fans really aren't going to notice a whole lot. But you mentioned Diamond Baseball. They're going to put some money into this. What can fans see? What have they done with with other ball clubs that they've owned? What kind of changes will fans see? With the game day experience,
1: you know, hadn't gotten completely into that yet from from our perspective because we've got such a great situation and we've had such great owners that have put a bunch of money into into our facility. So I, I mean, I think we've gotten everything we've wanted. We've always been kind of like the spoiled kid, and our fans have always been spoiled fans, in my opinion. Uh, so I'm not sure what exactly is going to come from that, but what I do know is that we'll probably see more along the lines of, of special events down the road. You know, whether it's next year or if it's in 2025 or down the road, um, they. they Their group of companies that Diamond Baseball is with Um, they have access to a lot more of those types of events. So it might be more concerts, it might be more um, festivals or um, uh, holiday types of events, you know, that we haven't done before uh, that might roll out across many of their teams. Maybe it's a Christmas event, maybe it's a Halloween event, those types of things where we can activate One Oak Field even a little bit more in the off season uh, than we do now. We're obviously very busy from March until October with Drillers Baseball, FC Tulsa Soccer, and a variety of other events that we do. but, you know, once you kind of get into that November time frame and October time frame, we really do kind of get quiet. So hopefully we'll activate a little bit more on a year round basis.
2: Could this be another positive sign toward an outdoor hockey game?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, what? Goes. absolutely. It could be. I knew <laughs> that, that was not going to be long before that question got asked again. Maybe so. I hadn't even thought about it, Scott. But, yeah, that one will come up, I'm sure.
0: If you have a question for Mike, you can text it to us at 918-262-5072, general manager of the Tulsa Drillers here. The discussions with these guys are about ownership overall. Your discussions with the Dodgers were a separate issue, but mm-hmm. ownership will have a part of that. Mm-hmm. Did they have anything to say about it, happy about it? Do they? Is it something they really are going to dive into? Is that always going to be an organizational thing with you within the organization?
1: As far as our relationship with yeah. the Dodgers? Well, the Dodgers, obviously, they're, they're, they're doubled down with this. This was good. They went from really having some ownership stake in Oklahoma City and— And then they they sold their ownership to Diamond Baseball Holdings. And so um, I think this is going to be a really long-term relationship. It even strengthens our long-term, you know, Prospects with the Dodgers uh, and actually you know kind of out of the blue just uh, a day before yesterday uh, The Dodgers president and CEO Stan Caston gave me a call. I was like hey Mike. How you doing everything good? You know, I mean what a class act and uh, it just shows you what kind of a partnership uh, that the, the state of Oklahoma now has with the Los Angeles Dodgers so we're excited about that and uh, And I think that just strengthens things so going forward No one's going to notice a whole
0: lot of difference. It's just going to be what it is You talked about keeping minority ownership there for for the Hubbard family, Mm -hmm. which honestly, considering, I mean... I knew Went a little bit, too, and you, know, you knew him a lot better, mm-hmm. but got to have a special place for that last name, so it's oh, yeah. really nice to have something around,
1: isn't it? Oh, it's great. You know, the Hubbard family has had ownership uh, in, in one form or fashion since 1986 with the drillers, and, um, you know, really the way we operate is based on the way when Hubbard taught us how to operate, you know what I mean? So we we um, have been successful because of what he brought to the table. He was the most uh, influential owner, I think, in all of the years while we were there, so um, it was important, I think Think and, and really, it's a wonderful thing for everybody involved that Dale and Jeff and Arlo will will stay involved with the club and, you know, that they, they love it. I mean, they love it so much. I mean, this was just an opportunity that they couldn't pass up at the stage of their lives with their families and so forth to, uh, to really have the have their cake and eat it, too. So, you know, they, they get to to sell a majority steak. They get to still come here pretty much probably 80, 90 percent of the ball games. We're going to see them walking around the ballpark just like we have the last 14 years. So that's uh, that's reassuring and comforting, I think, for for everybody involved. As you make a transition, it's always a little unsettling. Sure. This is a calming thing to know that those guys are still around with us.
0: I would think so. Yeah, anything yeah. new is difficult. There's no question. Oh, yeah. Just a couple more moments here with Mike Malega, general manager of the Tulsa Drillers. We dragged him out of bed, so we're going to talk to him, right, <laughs> here at 721 on this Wednesday drive to work. Coming up, by the way, just after 730, White. Thompson, the play-by-play voice of Kansas State. So, this opens up some possibilities, obviously. Mm -hmm. You're going to have some input in this. If they were to come to you and say, Mike Willega, what do you want to do that you haven't done yet? What would you tell them?
1: Hmm. I don't know. That's a great question, Rick. I mean, I've been so... Um, you know, so fired up about Tulsa for 30 years. I really haven't really thought past uh, taking this one to the house. But who knows? You know, it's a much larger organization than I've ever had to work for. It's always been kind of a mom and pop, and uh, you know, we'll see where that goes. And that, and that goes for everybody on our team. I think uh, you know, you get a larger organization with a lot more a lot more clubs under that same umbrella. There may be more opportunities, uh, uh, you know, for our staff and our team. But but first and foremost, we're going to see how we can um, we can dive into what those other teams are doing better than us and, and, and grab those ideas and bring them to Tulsa. So the idea sharing, the best practices, I think we're going to have more access to some of the best operators in the sport. You know, Diamond Baseball, it's part of Silver Lake and they've got there's 100 billion dollars types of investments that they've, that they've got going on. They know what they're doing. They're investing in clubs with uh, great histories. Uh, That have stable fan bases, great facilities, great you know uh, management teams, and and great affiliations. If you look at their 23 teams, it's Cardinals affiliates, it's Dodgers affiliates, it's Yankees affiliates, it's Braves affiliates. I mean, there is a um, there is a long range plan that I'm excited to see where they take this. When do they stop? Are they going to have 40 teams, 45 teams, and then what do they do when they get to that point? It should be uh, it should be a great ride for us, and I think it's all positive and upward for of fans.
2: playoffs getting underway yesterday, and of course, unless you're in Tampa or Oakland, attendance is up across <laughs> the league. You know, you guys are coming off a blockbuster season or in the turnstiles, too. Mm-hmm. Do you think the game is in a good place right now?
1: Oh, I think it's in an excellent place. I think overall, Major League Baseball, all the changes that they have made have been very, very positive, and, and, and the one, I think, that really hasn't gotten talked about as much, because it's all been about pitch clock, pitch clock, pitch clock, which mm-hmm. has been unbelievable. Obviously, it's changed the game um, but I just think the scheduling. I think the scheduling has made a huge difference. So you, you combine having a two-hour and thirty-minute game with every team playing every team. It's great.
2: Watch the uh, AAA National Championship late Saturday night. It was fun seeing a bunch of former drillers oh, in that yeah. game. Do you think we could see something like that come to Double A soon?
1: You know, A's had that structure and then it went away for a while and it's come back. It's easier with two leagues. Um, You know, in in AA and all the other leagues, we have at least three leagues that comprise that that level. So it's easier in AAA. Um, But if that becomes successful, I mean, it's become a national TV game. Um, I'm sure they'll look for those opportunities. It was great to see those guys on MLB Network. And and I'm excited to see the Dodgers get started here because all of a sudden, Bobby Miller, Emmett Sheehan, um, you know, uh, uh, Ryan Pepio, guys that were with us in the last two seasons are now like... They're the core of that pitching staff along with Clayton Kershaw because of all the injuries they've had. So the Dodgers are going to uh, uh, proceed through the playoffs on the backs of these guys. So I sure hope they do well. And that, of course, a
0: lot of that credit goes to Scott Hennessy and his groups over there. There's no question about that. We talked no to doubt. Skipper yesterday. Okay, great, great to see him doing better. So he says he's around the office bothering you
1: guys, He right? is. Hey, listen, I went out and played 18 holes with him last week and uh, and he shot better than me like <laughs> usual. So, But he was so thrilled because I, I don't think he realized that he can get through 18 and he did and it was awesome and I think he was fired up to go do some more. So maybe we all go out golf sometime. There you go. Last right. thing I
0: wanted to ask is any uh, you, you went through a lot of things. One Oak's a beautiful place. You guys, your attendance was, you know, blockbuster, if you will. You've always managed it right. Those are the things that people are going to be attracted to. But in the end result, did they tell you why they wanted Tulsa?
1: Well, I mean, you know, I think we we hit on it. I think they wanted Tulsa because we are, uh, you know, we we get a consistent level of support. I mean, you know, you go around to all these ballparks, Rick, and I mean, not to toot our horn, but the Tulsa Stadium Trust as our landlord and and, and the current ownership or the, the, the current ownership, outgoing ownership, you couldn't have a better situation. I mean, honestly, in all of minor league baseball, in my opinion, our facility is 14 years old. It looks like it's about four years old. Mm-hmm. And that's because we have a vision for as a management team. And then we have the, the landlord and the owners that can help bring that vision to life. What I'm hopeful is with this new ownership group, we'll have even more resources and even a bigger vision than I've been able to bring to the table. That we can go ahead and, and take this into the next 10 or 15 years at One Oak Field and make those just as good. A lot of times... Stadiums get into deterioration mode yes. after year 15. We're nowhere close to being even considering any of that, and uh, and now I think we we've strengthened our abilities for the next 15 years to make sure Field is a is an elite ballpark for uh, for our community.
0: And the and the development around it with what's been going on in the Greenwood area has certainly helped. That uh.
1: you guys when you you went there and the BOK
0: went over there, you just kind of solidified everything in between. But now it's grown a little bit back toward the east. B M X grew it back toward the north, which it's going. To continue with that park that they want to put around the old building there. Oh, yeah, so I mean they're the, the old fin steel Yeah, the fin steel or the fin, fin tube. Fin yep. tube sorry, mm-hmm. Yeah building there. I mean, there's nothing more than good things coming It's got to be almost hard though as a guy who already has a vision now, you know Someone comes to you one day and says okay, tell me what else you'd like to do
1: right right and,
0: and now you're like Oh my well, what else is there? You kind of yeah. think you're there and then you yeah. sit and give it longer-term thought when they, when there's no bad, you know, the old thing is there's no cold water ideas. Yeah, yeah. Well, th- realistically, there are. But when they tell you there isn't and you start right. to throw them out... Right. That's a fun time.
1: I think that's what's exciting. I really do think that's what's exciting about it, because I do think we think bigger than most teams do, and we've been able to act on those big thoughts, and, and now I think we have the capability maybe to think even bigger than that. That is fantastic. Well, great partners.
0: You've been great partners for us as well, so hey, thanks for
1: getting up a little earlier than normal. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, you know what, Rick? Anytime. I just had to give you the business on that one. Uh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> that was
0: his first thing yesterday. Man, that's awful early. And I said, no, 610's early, my friend. <laughs> you want to come in at 610? You'll notice he didn't. My Mike, thanks very much. Thank you. Mike Mulligan is still general manager of the Tulsa Driller. Seven twenty eight on the Blitz eleven seventy, recording Scott File, right right here in the uh here in the Tulsa hockey, Tulsa Oilers hockey. Studios. I'll get it out here sooner or later. Coming up in about a half hour, the best in high school football, their Oklahoma high school football player of the week, brought to you by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Oklahoma here on the Blitz 1170. When we come back, how about some OSU football? Wyatt Thompson, play-by-play voice of the Kansas State Wildcats, will be with us as we talk KSU-OSU here on the Blitz. Seven thirty-three here on the Blitz 1170. Rick Corey along with Scott File. and it's also Oilers Hockey Studio. Well, you'll hear Oklahoma State football this Friday right here on the Blitz. It's blackout night in Stillwater. 4.30 will be our pregame time. 6.30 to kick off, and they will just so happen to play the Kansas State Wildcats. Their voice, play-by-play voice, Wyatt Thompson with us now. And, Wyatt, first thing I want to ask you about is Will Howard. And the reason I want to ask is Coach Mike Gundy, yesterday in his news conference said this about your quarterback early member year
2: the improvement that they've made over the last couple years is their quarterback who's played how many years now how many years has he been there i mean seriously six
0: (laughs) so uh, how long has will howard been around kansas state skyler
3: well he's been to be perfectly honest he's been here a while he is listed as a senior but with the COVID thing, actually, could still play one more year. I don't know that he will or he won't. But uh, he, uh, let's see. Let me look back here. He uh, he got here in 2020. <laughs> so it's not terribly long. But he's played. Uh, what, off and on in like 26-ish games now. So he's, yeah. he's been here a while. It just seems like longer. And then
0: there was a point of it <laughs> which actually Coach Gundy actually confused him with Skylar Thompson and thought he, yeah. was, he was the other guy. So, yeah, Will has been around, and he says that he's one of the most improved parts of this Kansas State football team. You're, you've got a group here that lost guys like Deuce, Deuce Fawn, uh, but still yeah. playing really good football. Is Will Howard one of the most improved parts of this team?
3: I think he's one of the most improved quarterbacks in the league, but I'm certainly uh, prejudiced on that. Um, I, I really appreciate Will on a lot of levels, but as we talked about, he's been around a while, and when he first came in, um, it was uh, you know a scenario where he saw the field very early, uh, had, was not here in the summertime, came in the, for the fall camp, Skyler Thompson gets hurt in game three and they put him in there because they really have no other options. He won his first two starts, by the way, but he had more downs than ups at that point. And now I think he is, you know, with more experience and an, an exceptional amount of hard work and good coaching, all of those kind of things. He's just, the game has slowed down. As the coaches like to say, I think he reads defenses very well, has a terrific, um, understanding of the offense and and really a heck of a relationship with his offensive coordinator Colin Klein maybe it if I'm being totally honest I think it kind of starts there he's really grown into the deal honestly and I I think he's one of the best football players we have
0: 65 percent completion rate he also runs the football when he needs to he's the third third leading rusher on the team not that he goes out to do that tell me when he's throwing downfield he's got eight touchdowns four picks what's his best ball what is he still trying to improve
3: on I think if you visit with him about that, he would tell you that his most improvement is needed in the long balls. I don't think K State really, uh, if they have a weakness offensively, I I think it's the lack of you know a Deuce Vaughn where you have a lot of potential for those shock kind of plays. Uh, I think on top of that, Keegan Johnson, who they were counting on very heavily to be you know kind of one of those guys that gave them that. He hasn't really been healthy all year yet, so they are more of a team that's going to kind of grind it down the field. They've been really good on third downs. They just kind of have the ability to to make the plays, but they're not somebody that out of the gate is going to scare you with with their speed and athleticism and deep throws on the outside, so I think he'd say he, he wants to be better at that. He's had a few throws this year where he'd like to have back. He's had one pick in every game, and to my recollection, I think pretty much all of them are probably in that twenty to thirty yard range, trying to get it, chuck it downfield farther.
0: White Thompson with us, Kansas State play-by-play voice. Kansas State, Oklahoma State here on the Blitz this Friday, four thirty pregame, six thirty is the kickoff time. Scott Files with us too. Scott,
2: we all know how important this game is for Oklahoma State, and you know it's still early in the season. This is only really week two of conference play. How important, you know, it's too early to call it a must-win, but how important is this game for Kansas State?
3: Well, I think if you really are judging and and being hopeful that they're in the title mix, it's off the charts important from my perspective because I think you have a Texas team, and we'll see more about them, I suppose, this weekend with the Oklahoma game, but so many people think Texas is just a rung above everybody else talent-wise and at the line of scrimmage, and that may be accurate. So I don't think you can really drop many. And then on top of that, you know, K-State's been fortunate. They've only played the one road game, and that was at Mizzou, but that was the one loss, and they lost on a 61-yard field goal at the gun. But here we go into league play after beating UCF and have a week off. You basically have back-to-back road games, and traditionally at two of the tougher places for K-State to play in the league, in Stillwater, where the fans are right on top of you. And then next week they go to Texas Tech. So if they could come home – Uh, at 3-0 to face TCU, then maybe people will think, okay, maybe they will be in it. We'll see. (laughs) I I think they've got a shot, but... Boy, these two games are
0: huge. They are. And if you look at the schedule, the way it sets up, you know, Tech is struggling some. TCU, we're not sure about yet. Houston's mm-hmm. not very good right about now. Baylor has been struggling. Certainly, Kansas, if Jalen Daniels plays, is different. And by that time, maybe he will. And Iowa State has been struggling. So the, the schedule doesn't set up poorly. There's no question about that. I want to go back quickly to that Missouri game. I know that's, you know, that's a huge rivalry for Kansas and Missouri. Not quite as much for Kansas State, although no, I know there's some border stuff there. And that Missouri team's playing really well. Going into that one, did you see that being that difficult? And was there a, a key moment in that one that caused the Kansas State Wildcats to lose it on, come out on the wrong side?
3: A couple of good questions there, and I, I guess I'll answer the, uh, the second one first in that I, I think it was a game of, of missed opportunities. I think K-State did a lot of good things. It was a hard game. Uh, but at the end of the day, when they really needed to make a play, it was kind of lacking. They had a couple of plays with a with a one score lead, where they had a throw or two to Ben Sennett, who's maybe their best receiver at the tight end position, had an opportunity to make both. One was a really more difficult catch, but if you make either one, I think they probably win the game, honestly. But they didn't, and so I. And then the second part. Um, was I expecting a hard game there? Absolutely, because I, I kind of feel like <laughs> Missouri is better than people think and certainly where it counts at the line of scrimmage. Their defensive front was pretty, pretty disruptive. Uh, K-State had a, a difficult time running against them. I think they're a little more healthy in the offensive line now, which, which helps moving forward, but it didn't help all that much that day. K-State's best, just cutting to the chase, they have not had – uh, Christian Duffy, their starting right tackle, really all year long. He'll start for the first time in the game in Stillwater. So they've had to mix and match and move some things around, and it happens. There's no doubt about that, but they're best when, when Duff's available and Cooper B.B., their best lineman, is staying there at left guard as opposed to playing left guard and left tackle and right tackle all in one game.
0: And by the way, Cooper is a delightful young man. Got to be around him
3: a little bit at Big 12 Media Day. <laughs> that's, a, me.
0: that's a funny kid, too. <laughs> yeah,
3: he's a wonderful young guy. We we have his little brother in the program now. Uh, I don't know if Camden's going to be anywhere anywhere near what Cooper is. Coop's kind of one of those guys that there are a lot of people that have been around even longer than myself i say that uh, he may be the most versatile, most talented offensive line guy K-State had here in, in quite some time, wow. probably dating back to the early to mid Snyder year or so. That's pretty nice.
0: It is. A couple of things here before we go with Wyatt Thompson, the Kansas State play-by-play voice. As I said, Dufon, of course, gone, and that's a guy that everybody in the league except you guys is glad is gone. D.J. Giddens hasn't been bad, though, averaging 6'4 carry. He's got
3: 423 yards. Describe him as a runner. It's really interesting you ask about him that way because I really feel like he's proven this year that he's more than just what people saw last year as one, a backup to Dufon and a guy who runs it pretty well between the tackles. I think he has proven he's a lot more than that. I think you saw the numbers and what he did against UCF. He had 30 carries, uh, just over 200 yards. But in addition to that, had eight uh, catches for 80 yards. All of those marks were pretty much career highs. That happened with Treshawn Ward really kind of not available. He'll be ready to go uh, in the ball game on Friday night. But I think he's proven to himself and to others now that he can be a very reliable back and he can be the the dog as the kids like to say, the the workhorse, if you will um, and and that's a good thing. He's strong, um, but he can run inside and out and really has very good hands. Will Howard says he has as good a hands as anybody on the team,
0: and that's that's pretty good mm-. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no question about that. Now now let's get into a little bit of your coach, Coach Kleinman. He immediately came out after some job openings and said no, uh, which tells us obviously he's fairly happy where he is right now. Uh, Is that just who he is? Do you think he's really that happy? Is he um, a guy who wants to shut that down because he's got great hopes for this year? Uh, Is this dude going to be in Kansas State purple for a long time?
3: I really like the question, honestly, because what I would tell you is, is, and and a lot of people understand and know this, and and others probably don't know it quite yet, but when he came to K-State, he came here uh, because of his relationship with our athletic director, Gene Taylor. Uh, Gene had been at North Dakota State, knew what Kleiman was and how he did things, and thought he would be a really good fit here. Well, here we are, you know, five years later, they've been through a lot together, Uh, Last year, fortunate enough to beat a really, really good TCU team in Arlington and and win a Big 12 title, which was was outstanding. He makes good money uh, living in Manhattan, Kansas, and I think he is happy. I think there's a lot to showing up every day and enjoying what you do and where you do it at, but also in your back pocket is that guy that's got your back, right? And I, I think that's what this is with Gene Taylor. He trusts him like a brother, and I think that's as simple as it gets, and that's why.
2: We're a third of the way through the season now with the four new teams in the Big 12. Of course, the Wildcats have already played one of the new teams, UCF, and beaten them. What's been the reaction so far in the reception from Kansas State fans with the four new teams and then with the new teams coming in
3: next year? Well, I really, I'll just cut to the chase to this one because there's a, a lot I could say. But I think we all understand that you know, what, what you lose in Oklahoma and Texas, you don't replace in terms of brand, right? But, but with that said, um, I think all of these four teams bring some interesting things to the table. Uh, we just saw, as you said, UCF. I was very impressed with their, their team, uh, their athleticism. I think they will fit in this league. I think they're in a great recruiting area. I said from the get go that I thought BYU would be a good fit in this league because they can they do have a national and for that matter an international brand. Um and, and Houston's certainly capable in that market and you know, Cincinnati's been pretty good, man. I know they've had a coaching change, but I I think those are good ads. And then I'm really excited about, you know, the, the other four. I I guess I'll just say this about basketball too. I think when you add a Arizona to the mix i think it's it's like adding a, a kansas or a baylor I, yeah. I think we're not only the best basketball league in the country but it's going to be even more so a year from now
0: no question all right let's get into oklahoma state as you break this game down and take a look you're obviously uh, getting everything prepared and ready what do you see from the cowboys it's a pretty dangerous team from the standpoint of they really need a win
3: well no question and, and i think one that and again, this is from an outsider looking in, but, but I think I'm wondering uh, out loud here, if they're maybe not starting to find a few things, um, meaning obviously to start with the quarterback situation, I've always thought Alan Bowman was a good player. I think he really throws a nice ball. I, I think they've got good running backs. They always seem to have a, a couple of two or three receivers that are good. Uh, coach climate told me yesterday, uh, sometimes he deals with numbers as opposed to names, but he says number 80, which is Brendan Presley. He's as good as most in the league. Uh, I think their offensive line is coming around a little bit like K-State. They were not at their top level probably in the beginning of the year. And then defensively, I think, don't you think they're starting to maybe find a way a little bit with their new coordinator? And I think coach Nardo is really going to be a good one there, but it takes a little time to get used to that. And I think they've, mixed and matched and moved and what have you I, I'm and I know how hard it is to play there I, this is my 22nd year at K-State they're right on top of you They're it's a big game for them every bit as big uh, for them as it is for K-State so we're going to get their best shot I believe
0: Oh, I don't think there's any question about that. They've got to give you the yeah. best shot, and it's a Friday. You think that makes any difference? I, you know, I know Thursday games are get talked about, and if you're if you're the Mac, right. you play on any day, but uh, but the Friday game, <laughs> truly, probably not
3: a big deal. Well, you know what? I, I have probably mixed feelings about the Fridays. I've, I've always been one of those that, that has said that I think we need to protect the high schools. But with that said, I think one uh, every now and again probably is all right, and when you I, I love this about our league, too, because it, I, I love to go, I mean, I think it's hard to play at K-State and at Iowa State and at Tech and at Baylor and at Stillwater and those kind of places. And I just think on a Friday night, they'll really be excited. to play. I think the place is really going to be hopping, man. I, I, I'm thinking we're going to be in for a pretty good game. I, I could be wrong, but, but I I think more times than not, history tells me that when you go there, it's probably going to be a pretty good football game. And uh, I don't see why it won't be this time.
0: Yeah, it's a sellout, yes. and it's blackout night. Everybody be wearing the black. It's going to be an interesting game, there's no doubt. Wyatt, you're always classy. Appreciate you coming on with us. Thanks very much, and travel safe down to Norman.
3: Thanks so much. Always enjoy being on with you guys. I appreciate it.
0: You betcha. Wyatt Thompson, Kansas State, play-by-play voice here on the Blitz 1170. You'll hear Oklahoma State and Kansas State Friday, 4.30 pregame time, 6.30 kickoff right here on the Blitz 1170. While OU Texas gets a lot of attention this week, and rightly so, This game is very important for Oklahoma State and certainly for Kansas State if they want to stay in what they consider a title hunt. So we'd love to have your opinions about this one, too. Give us a couple of score guesses if you'd like. I call them guesses because let's be realistic. That's what most of us are doing. 918-262-5072 is the number to do that. 750, we'll take ourselves a break. When we come back, we'll see if we can't get into our high school football player of the week. I know who it is. Scott knows whose it is. We'll let you know who it is as well. Plus, we'll hear more from Brent Venables, hear a little bit from Kevin Wilson as well. And at 830 this morning, Morning, Jacob Seuss, our Arkansas insider. What's wrong in Hogville? Oof, they're getting ready to barbecue Sam Pittman, not the hog. I'm telling you. We'll see what's happening we'll do about 830 this morning right here on the Blitz 1170. 757 on the Blitz 1170. Something to warn you about today. At 120 today, if you have a cell phone and it's turned on, it's going to lose its mind. And that's because today the Federal Emergency Management Agency, better known as FEMA, is running a test to make sure that the wireless emergency alerts for cell phones and the emergency alert systems for radio and TV are in proper working order in case of an actual emergency. You know, national disaster, terrorism, fake missile strike on Hawaii, which (laughs) you remember that about was a year and a half, two years ago. I mean, I'm laughing now. The people of Hawaii were, they thought they they were getting it. They they were there was a what a 25-30 minute period there where they really believed missiles were on the way in and It was it was crazy. Well today at 120 do not be surprised if that cell phone goes off So like a a previous radio job of mine. I had three cell phones (laughs) You got to make sure all three of them are Either off at that point or something because if they're even on silent these things take over so you got to be careful. It's going to happen today at one twenty. So at that moment when you ha- aren't thinking about it and you're in that meeting and everyone's phones go off at once like it was an amber alert or a tornado warning or something like that, today's the day. Just Just be aware. And believe me, depending on your phone and your setting, generally it's not a pleasant sound, Scott. It's not fun. Your mic's not on.
2: No, it'll scare you. Yeah. Sorry, I double-punched the button. No, it'll yeah. scare you, especially if you're not ready for it. Yeah, you're right. And, and really, you, if it's in the middle of the night. Yeah.
0: They, oh, God, well, yeah, those those are on purpose, right? There's a reason for that one. I just wanted to make sure that I warned you about that one because I didn't want you to you know, either drive off the road today or something along those lines. 120 is when that's going to happen our time. All right, let's get into it. at 7.59, our Athlete of the Week, our Oklahoma High School Football Athlete of the Week. We have one. He's from Bishop Kelly High School. His name is Jack... Dionisio, he's a senior cornerback. He had two interceptions in the win over Collinsville, including, get this, an 88-yard pick six. So not only two picks, but an 88-yard pick six. That seals the win. Congratulations, Jack, and the folks at Bishop Kelly. You are our Oklahoma High School Football Athlete of the Week, presented by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Oklahoma. 7.59 here on the Blitz 1170. Well, We've talked an awful lot about the Oklahoma game, certainly, and we'll continue to do that. But, Scott, it is just as important to talk about what's going to happen for the folks at Oklahoma State because, as we said, you start looking at the schedule going forward, this is an important football game. You've got every advantage of Friday night at home, a sold-out crowd, a blackout night where everyone's going to be wearing black. It's going to be a little bit nuts. I do wonder, you know, because it's a Friday, You know, the tailgating, I don't think will be maybe as much as a Saturday, but who knows? It still could be. And our, by the way, our Friday show is nothing more, our Friday afternoon show is nothing more than a preview of Oklahoma State. As a matter of fact, Colby will be over with uh, uh, Kenyatta and they will be over at Oklahoma State and that's the whole show will be there. And the reason of that, of course, Pop is going to be with me and Shelby and Bruce and the University of Tulsa as we're heading to Florida Atlantic. But, the, but Kobe will be there on Friday, and so the entire thing is going to be right there at Oklahoma State. Can't overemphasize this one either. Now, it's early enough in the season, Scott, that you lose it, you move on. I get it. But Oklahoma State's not necessarily playing for a Big 12 title right now, playing more kind of for their lives. And so this one becomes one that you look at if you can win this game you get a little swagger back, maybe a little momentum as you head into the beef of conference play. Oh,
2: absolutely! If if you drop this one, the the there's a real possibility the season can just go completely off the rails because, of course, next week you've got Kansas coming in, and then you go to West Virginia, a vastly improved West Virginia, yep. and of course Morgantown's always tough to play. And Then back home for Cincinnati, and you know if you're on a right really riding a losing streak when Cincinnati comes to town, that's really going to be a tough game. So. Yep. This is uh this is a crucial game for a lot of reasons for OSU.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately, schedule wise, UCF who's struggling right now after two losses in the conference, I mean giving up twenty-six in the fourth quarter to lose to Baylor, reeling a little bit. We know Houston's not very good, and BYU is certainly beatable, especially if you're in Stillwater. Unfortunately, those three you would love to have sprinkled earlier into this rather than Kansas State, Kansas, West Virginia, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma. The weakest in that group last year you would have said is West Virginia. You might right now say it's Cincinnati, but, you know, they held Oklahoma to 20. And that might sound like, well, I mean held them to 20. Hey, nowadays, what are they averaging, 41-something in that range, as I recall? They're averaging. So, I mean, if you hold Oklahoma to 20 – yeah, I realize you're 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 at your place, but that's still a big deal to to do that. Oklahoma's averaging forty seven four, and you held them to twenty. So uh, there's half nothing. their average, yeah. And then, and then they turn around and score fifty <laughs>
2: yeah, right. the following week against Iowa State, who probably has a better defense. And mm-hmm. now, granted, not all those points were offense. There was the pick six, and then, right. of course the the block punt that was recovered or kicked, kicked out, of the, out in the end zone, zone for two. <laughs> but i mean you you still held them to 20 and so and like i said if you go into that game losers of i guess at that point it would be four straight i mean that's that's a tough road to climb
0: there is no doubt about that, and you're looking at a K State team that, even though as I said, they're missing, you know, the the you know, the Deuce Fawns of the world, they still have a pretty efficient attack. And you heard Coach Gundy say he's really worried about Will Howard, who is so veteran at this point, he can operate things for him. So it's an important game for Oklahoma State as as well. It's not going to get the national attention Oklahoma Texas is. But it's still something you have to take a look at and say to yourself, man, you, you really need this to go well. Uh, speaking of going well, I don't know if you saw this stat or not. There is a brand-new state of Oklahoma single-game rushing record in 11-man football. A senior running back from El Reno named Malachi Nicholson. You may have heard of him. He's a pretty good player, right? 37 carries. That's a lot, right? 521 yards and eight touchdowns. <laughs> it rushing. So that's basically
2: once every four plus carries he scored.
0: 68 mm-hmm. 67 win over Noble. And we're not talking hoops. And they needed all eight of those they touchdowns. They needed every one of those eight touchdowns. His touchdown runs 62 yards, 10 yards, 14, 65, 6, 54, 65, and 56. And it was the last 56-yarder that gave him a 68-61 lead they were able to finally hang on to. Previous record had been by a San Springs player named Peyton Scott, who back in 2017 had 505 yards. So congratulations to Malachi Nicholson. He is now the state's single-game rushing leader, 521 yards and eight touchdowns on 37 carries. That's quite an average per carry in there as well. That is a stinking remarkable stat. 805 here on the Blitz 1170. I'm Rick Corey along with Scott File. I want to remind you, too, that we have a lot of football this week. Thursday, that's tomorrow, Jinx Norman. Norman North, pardon me. Jinx Norman North. 6.30 tomorrow. That's the pregame. 7 o'clock is the kickoff. Friday, it's Oklahoma State. 4.30 with our pregame. 6.30 with the kickoff there. And as I said, you'll find Colby uh, Pop will be with us down at TU, but you'll find Colby out there, as a matter of fact, the entire Friday show. Or Friday show. Yeah, just a lead-in for Oklahoma State basically. Then on Saturday, number 12 Alabama against Texas A&M. That one's going to be at 2 o'clock. You'll hear that here on the Blitz. And on Sunday, an NFL doubleheader. You'll have the Saints and New england that one's at 11 30 and then the six game the six o'clock game which is the big game it's dallas and san francisco and it was yesterday when jerry jones said the super bowl runs through san francisco so this is an important game and i yeah there's no doubt it's an important game and i think intriguing for a lot of reasons too uh just the matchups themselves um you wonder about Dak. You wonder about the Dallas defense. They have been really, really good. And then Arizona exposed, exposed them on both sides a little bit. Then they bounce back and have the really nice win. So this, is, this one's got some intrigue to it as well. The Niners got an incredible day from McCaffrey the other day who was proving all of us wrong, who thought, yeah, I don't know if he's an every down back. <laughs> maybe maybe you don't want to get him hurt. Yeah, well, turns out at this point he is that rolling ball of knives, and you haven't had to worry about that as he and the Niners continue to roll forward, something making Jeremy Poplin smile on a daily basis. It's 806 on the Blitz 1170. Text us at 918-262-5072. Again, text the word Dallas to that number. If you would like to be able to get a pair of tickets to the Cowboys uh, game, a-, a Cowboys game, we're going to sign you up for it right there you got a text at 918-262-5072 that said even with a bad season or a terrible season I don't think Gundy's job will be on the line however with a bad season or a terrible season which we hope doesn't happen uh I I think he it, it, well let me read that again because I'm gonna make sure I got that right I don't think with a terrible season or a bad season Gundy's job's in jeopardy uh however with a bad season or a terrible season i think he would quit oh i got it okay yeah he said sorry about that spell check went crazy <laughs> he or she i'm sorry it could be a lady as uh, in there as well all right i got you so someone saying all right so coach gundy's job is safe which we had didn't question but he believes if it doesn't go well he'll step away now bill haston said i think it was monday or friday i can't remember which even if this you know goes horribly south, it's going to be Mike's choice, which I absolutely believe The question is, would he step away? and I got to tell you, Scott, and thank you for your text, I don't believe he'd step away. I don't think he'd want to go out that way. I think, like anybody else, Mike Gundy would want to go out on a higher note. And knowing that, hey, it's probably not gonna get I say probably it, it's not gonna get worse than this. You've got to make your adjustments to Portal, you gotta make your adjustments to NIL, all the things that are costing teams around the country because they're losing guys to other other teams. And then you gotta come back and you gotta you gotta put it all together. I've got confidence they can do that, especially with a younger group of coaches, the Nardos and guys like that there. And I do think Mike is smart enough to learn from it. But I don't see him stepping away, do you?
2: No, i no, I agree the competitor him probably wouldn't want to end the season that way, but, as we've seen with veteran coaches more so in basketball the last several years, we've seen them just kind of step away from the game because of you know with the transfer portal and n i l and all that and we- and you know, and gundy's made it no secret that he's not a fan of any of that, so it wouldn't surprise me if. The thought maybe crept in a little bit. Now, granted, he's not as old as some of those other coaches were that stepped away from the game. And like you know, baseball or basketball is a completely different mm-hmm. animal than football. But it wouldn't surprise me a little bit if that thought kind of crept in a little bit. I don't. I. I don't think he would step away because I think the competitor in him would want to come back. And it is, you know, in this day and age, it is easy. We've seen it with what Dion's been able to do, it is easy to kind of turn things around quickly. So
0: if you if if you embrace it. And I, I don't know I don't know that he necessarily has or hasn't. He made the statement last year, look, I didn't pay enough attention to that early and and it cost me and I'm never gonna make that mistake again but to your point it doesn't mean he likes it. Mm-hmm. And so if you do now if you if you do pay that kind of attention to it now do you can you bring yourself to do it efficiently i think he can and he talked yesterday about pokes with a purpose and how he thinks it's a better uh, portion of nil and i agree with that but you've got to make everybody else outside that believe that you know some young men just want check, checks and that's the
2: first time at least that i can remember that he's kind of pitched it publicly about mm-hmm. that kind of publicly supporting the nil the collective type thing yep
0: but he did he, he did you know, he, he said nice things and it, it is a good group and if you if you're not familiar with it, pokes for the purpose does try scott to do more than just hand checks to people right mm-hmm.
2: yeah i mean they they kind of it's there's a lot of um you know volunteer work mm-hmm. and it's it's better meant for Society as a whole and for the players, men or, or, you know, the men or women who, I mean, it's not just football that that they're supporting. It's it's all sports.
0: And I'm sure that every school around the country has something they do or they put their students to work for somebody or something along those lines. And that they're just trying to promote that at the same time that they are trying to bring in some cash. For the people who play, because if you don't, you're going to get completely left behind. Obviously, we're seeing that all around, all over the country. It's eight eleven on the Blitz eleven seventy. You're welcome to comment on the same thing. I mean, it's not really a question we had asked, but I understand the thought. All you have to do is let us know nine one eight two six two five zero seven two. Just let us know. Tell us what you think. I mean, I don't think Coach Gundy would step away. Scott doesn't, but you might disagree, and you also might think that he's not safe. I happen to disagree. I believe he's safe no matter what happens this year. Although I do think. In the corner would certainly help. At eight we're going to be talking in about 19 minutes to Jacob Seuss, our 5 News Arkansas insider, talking about the Hogs. Speaking of trouble, Sam, Hittman, Sam, Sam Pittman's seat may be getting a little warmer too. Don't think that he's in any trouble necessarily, but the way things are going right now at Arkansas – if this doesn't get turned around after all these high expectations, then who knows there too. At eight eleven, I want to remind you about the folks over at Overhead Door Company of Tulsa, their commercial division. You know, as I walk in and out of the building here, we have commercial doors all over the place, and you probably do in your building too. And some of them could be things like the big overhead doors and some could be simple. They could just be regular doors and some could be specialty doors. You know, that I I was talking to the folks at Union about when they built the stadium out there and they have these slide down doors they put on concession stands and some of them are the chain if you will so you can see through it and some are those other doors and I asked what a you know ask if those were hard to do and they you know they they said no because we had professionals do it but there are some things about those that are really tough that's a commercial door too my point is that if you have a commercial door of any kind, then you need a contract, a service contract with someone like Overhead Door Company of Tulsa's commercial division, not with someone like them with them. The reason is their are decades of experience, more than five decades, almost six, in this city putting up overhead doors. And not just those, but doors of other kinds, high-speed doors and freezer doors and fire doors and things I've told you about before. I mean, all the way up to things at the airport, gigantic hangar doors, all those doors. And if you have one of those doors, and during the winter, it's going gonna, it's gonna to work a lot, right? It's going to go up and down a lot more in the winter than it does possibly in the summer and spring because of the weather. There's no question. And that door starts to malfunction, and you think, eh, you know, what? it's just a creek. It's not a big deal. Yeah, but then when it stops working, you're stuck. And that's why you need a service contract, because whether it's that small concession door that you've got to get open (laughs) so you can make money or whether it's that big door that's protecting all your inventory and your workers and you can't get that inventory out if it doesn't work, you have to have somebody who can fix it. You have somebody who can fix it fast, someone who has the things on hand to fix it, and someone with the expertise to do it. And that's why you choose these guys. So whether it's to have one replaced, which they certainly can do, like they did for the one on my scuba business, or whether it's just to have it refurbed, upgraded, resealed, all those things, they can do it. All you have to do is go to overheaddoorcompanyoftulsa.com. That's overheaddoorcompanyoftulsa.com. And then simply click on Commercial. 813 on the Blitz 1170, recording Scott File here in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio. Remember the guys doing the show tomorrow out at Spirit Casino. You can go out there and see them at the Scoreboard Sports bar between three and six and they've got a code out there you can scan which give you a chance to win a pair of Dallas Cowboys tickets on Thanksgiving Cowboys at AT AT&T Stadium against Washington and 500 bucks spending cash all right you can text us right now at 918-262-5072 we'll talk a little Arkansas football in 15 minutes we'll be back to talk a little baseball coming up next here on the blitz
1: thank you for